Hello, today is Tuesday, February 25th. You're listening to The Jared Barnes Show. I'm your host, Jared Barnes. I want to thank you for listening today. Got a pretty good show for you today. A little XFL talk. We started off at that. I get into a quarterback that showed a little interest over the weekend about maybe playing in the XFL. Or maybe not playing in the XFL. Wish he would. He probably won't. But I talked about it anyways. Then I talk about a little call to basketball. And then I do a new segment. I'm going to do it once a week. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, let me know. If you don't, let me know. Either way. I'll probably do it anyways, even if you hate it. Continue to do it if you like it. It's something that really interests me. Uh, thanks for listening today. We'll just get right into it. Alright, so the first topic I want to start talking with today is the XFL Week 3. I'm just going to get right into it. So Game 1 was the Houston Roughnecks visiting the Tampa Bay Vipers. And this week again, P.J. Walker proved that he is the best player in the XFL, and it's not even close. I thought Houston would make really light work of the Tampa Bay Vipers. I was wrong. The Vipers offense managed to hang around in this week because they finally managed to put up some points on the offensive side of the ball. It was just not enough, though, as the quarterback-wide receiver duo of P.J. Walker and Cam Phillips was too much the Vipers defense to handle. It was another good week for P.J. Walker. No picks this week. Uh, he's just fun to watch. Cam Phillips is the best wide receiver in the XFL, and he proved that this weekend with a very good performance. Another, not a good performance. He had a great performance. The big things that I wanted to know after the game, though, that I'm looking forward to seeing in the upcoming weeks is... Will Tampa's offense be able to do what they did on Saturday consistently? And will they go full-time to Quentin Flowers? I don't think they'll go full-time to Quentin Flowers. I think they would be able to be more consistent on offense if they went full-time to Quentin Flowers. I think he could be like the great value version of Lamar Jackson, but just the XFL version. That's why I say great value, because he's you know cheaper. It's a bad joke. The second takeaway that I got from this is, is Houston's defense really that good? They don't seem to be. They've given up a lot of yards and a lot of points to a couple, two mediocre teams at least in the first three weeks of the season. I think St. Louis, uh, they could easily be the best team in the East. They might not be because D.C. could have just had an off week. But last week they gave up almost 400 yards to St. Louis. And this week they gave up 365 yards to Tampa Bay. And in week one they gave up almost 300 yards, 290 yards to be exact, against the L.A. Wildcats team that didn't even have starting quarterback Josh Johnson. It's something to keep an eye on because if P.J. Walker falters or something happens to him and he gets injured and they have to play Connor Cook, that offense will not be as good. And if that offense isn't putting up 30 points a game, is Houston even able to win? It's going to be something I'm looking forward to watching the next couple weeks in the XFL. Game two of the week, though, was the Dallas Renegades at the Seattle Dragons. Landry Jones and the Dallas offense started slow again this week, but they played well enough in the second half to get a nice 24-12 win over the Dragons. Donald Parham, 
tight end of the Dallas Renegades. He emerged as a star in this game and over the weekend as he had five catches for 101 yards and two touchdowns. He showed very good speed as he outran the entire Dragons secondary on a 66-yard touchdown score. It was cool to watch. I didn't even know who that guy was before this game. I'm excited to watch him after because he's very athletic for a tight end. He's very big. He's very tall for a tight end. And he's got a lot of speed for a tight end. And really, for Dallas to be even more successful, I think they need to get the ball to him some more. But they also need Landry Jones to be a little more careful with the ball because Houston LA's offense, they're able to strike quickly. And if you give them a short field, they're definitely going to put up points against you. Luckily, this week they were playing the Dragons, and the Dragons' offense is inconsistent. So that's why I believe the Dragons just, they need to do a better job of taking what the defense gives them, and that's all Brandon Silvers. He has an extremely strong arm, but his accuracy and decision-making are not that great. He's been too accurate, and he forces too many balls where the receiver is not open at all. They're not consistent enough on offense, and I believe if they come out this week flat again and they're struggling, I do think they will do a quarterback change and probably go away from Silvers. It's not that Silvers isn't talented. He's definitely talented. Silvers' decision-making is just not up to par even at XFL level, and it wasn't even up to par last year when he was in the AAF. He was, I think, a third-string quarterback and didn't get a lot of playing time there. I think he played on Memphis Express. I don't even know how I remember that, but because AAF was, I didn't watch it after week two. But my biggest takeaways from this game is, like I mentioned, should Seattle make a quarterback change? I think if they come out flat again next week, they're gonna have to. Not that I don't know if Jim Zorn wants to, but I think they have to. I don't know if they're gonna have much of a choice. They need to do something because the West is deep. Who is the second best team in the West? Is it Dallas or is it LA? Houston is declared number one. They're declared number one in the league. But who's the second best team? Both Dallas and LA struggled against each other last week. They started off extremely slow. As the first three quarters, there was about nine points. Then Dallas kind of clicked it all together, but LA kind of clicked it all together at the same time as them. And LA had a good game this weekend, and Dallas just had another game like they had last week. So it's interesting. Definitely interesting to see. I'm looking forward to see it down the road, a matchup between those two again. But that's a, that's a while off now, and I still got other games to talk about. So the third game of the weekend was the New York Guardians at the St. Louis Battlehawks. The Guardians are just not fun to watch. I like watching the Battlehawks because I like Jordan Tiamu. He is the most intru- intriguing quarterback in all of the XFL. He's a lot younger than P.J. Walker. He seems to be more accurate than P.J. Walker, but if you blitz him, he struggles. But he's not blitzed. He can run. He can run the ball very well, and that's one of the ways he can escape from the blitz. He also helps him in the rushing attack, but this week he didn't have to do a whole lot. He played well, but he didn't have to do a lot because that downhill rushing attack was lethal against the Guardians poorest defense it was cool to see how fired up the crowd was in st louis to have football back i saw a lot of clips from in the crowd they had a 
a very cool fan base, maybe one of my favorites. It was definitely fun to watch. The crowd in St. Louis went nuts when the first kickoff return happened. It was just cool because it was a reverse. I love the play design to get the kickoff return touchdown. Uh, maybe next time hand it off to a guy that's a little faster, but you still got the touchdown. But, man, he almost got caught. But it was cool to watch. That was cool to see. Uh, that was about the only good things I had to say about this game because the Guardians are just that bad. Uh, they're tough to watch, and they need a spark on offense for sure. They played three quarterbacks this weekend. All three were not very good. Luis Perez was four for five, 39 yards and a touchdown. But I just don't know if he's the answer for them at quarterback. Now, I know Matt McGloin's not. I know Marquise Williams. I don't believe he is. There is a free agent, though, that definitely said he showed interest and backed off on it this weekend, but he definitely tweeted that he was interested in the XFL this weekend before deleting his Twitter account. But we'll get into that after I talk about the fourth game here. So the fourth game of the weekend was the D.C. Defenders at the L.A. Wildcats. It was the most interesting game of the weekend because it was the last game of the weekend and the L.A. Wildcats were in a must-win game. And credit to Winston Moss and his team because they stepped up to the plate, both the defense and the offense, and played a very good game. It was an extremely dominant win for them as they literally from the, from the jump, from the start of the game, they started dominating. The first drive, they went down. They drove right down the field, scored a touchdown, went for two, and got it. Then on the next drive, when DC got the ball, they intercepted Cardell Jones, and from that point on, Cardell Jones and that DC defender's offense continued to shoot themselves in the foot and play just not great football. Cardell Jones struggled this mightily this week against the LA Wildcats defense as he did not have a lot of time to throw on a lot of his attempts. He threw. 30, he was 13 to 26 passing. He was only 50%. Not good. He threw four interceptions. Even worse. It's tough to see because I thought they were one of the best teams in the XFL. They were my number one team from the power rankings from week one until this week. They fell a couple spots, but some of my takeaways from this game is: was it just a one-off game for the defenders? It was a very long road trip for them. Um, it's a cross-country trip with a lot of prep. Was it just a one-off game? I could definitely see it being a one-off game. I hope it's a one-off game because I really like watching the D.C. defenders. I, Cardell Jones is my favorite quarterback other than Tayamu. I, I like P.J. Walker, but I'm more intrigued by guys that I, I watched in college. I didn't watch P.J. Walker in college. I watched Cardell Jones in college. I loved his story in college. I was disappointed to see that he never got a shot in the NFL. And how will he, Cardell respond after his first loss as a starting quarterback since high school? That's a crazy stat. He hadn't lost a starting, when he started, he hadn't lost a game since he was a starting quarterback in high school. It's going to be interesting to see next week. I think he comes out and plays very well. But I could be wrong. I want to shift gears a little bit and get into a free agent quarterback that isn't on an NFL or XFL team or even Canadian Football League team that kind of expressed interest in the XFL weekend before redacting that. 
But we're, we gotta go back a little bit to get the full story. When the XFL was close to officially kicking off this season, this quarterback said that he wouldn't want to play for another league that will fold before the season is even over. Soon after, this guy pretty much tweeted that if he no longer played football again, that he wanted people to know that he gave football all that he had and he had a good time playing ball. This guy's name is Johnny Manziel. He was one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch in college. He was an electric factory. He, he was fun to watch. Every week he was causing defenses problems. He was just creating highlights. He was a real gunslinger, and it just never panned out for him in the NFL. It didn't pan out for him in the Canadian League, and the AAF was a disaster. So sadly, he hasn't played football since last year. But the story comes from what he tweeted over the weekend when he tweeted the following. He said this, Oliver Luck, if you want to boost your ratings to another level, just send me the contract tomorrow and we're in there. Like I said years ago, XFL 2020, give the people what they want. Soon after tweeting this though, Manziel's Twitter was completely deleted. Then later, Manziel reactivated his Twitter and said this, that he loves trolling and that he has no desire to play any football these days. He just loves stirring up controversy. That statement kind of broke me and I hope it's not true because I wonder how much he really means it. When a guy like him plays football for so long and loves the football, the game of football, I wonder how much he really misses it. I don't only say that because I love watching him play. The Guardians need a spark on offense and he would, he could go there and he would boost ratings and he would give them a spark on offense. I don't know if he's the answer, but I would love to see it. But again, this could just be me having a fantasy where I wish Johnny was playing football again because he was my, one of my favorite players to ever watch. Only thing I know is that the Guardians are just unenjoyable to watch and if he was there, I'd watch him every single week. But now that I've talked about the XFL weekend and Johnny Menzel possibly making a return to football and playing in the XFL, which is not going to happen, but I, I'm going to hold out my hope because I just wish it would. I'm going to transition to my XFL power rankings after week three of play. We got a new number one this week as the Houston Roughnecks move up one spot to number one. Uh, two, I had the St. Louis Battlehawks. They moved up two spots from four to two. At three, I had the Dallas Renegades. They stayed right where they are from last week. They were three last week. They're three this week. The biggest fall was the D.C. Defenders. They fell three spots down to four. Uh, the L.A. Wildcats jumped up a spot to five. The Seattle Dragons fell a spot. They're at six. The Tampa Bay Vipers moved up a spot there one and the New York Guardians are the last team in the league at number eight so to review my XFL power rankings at number one we have the Houston Roughnecks number two we have the St. Louis Battlehawks number three we have the Dallas Renegades number four we have the DC Defenders number five we have the LA Wildcats number six we have the Seattle Dragons number seven we have the Tampa Bay Vipers number eight is the New York Guardians that was my XFL power rankings after week three of play and now I want to transition into something else. Um, college basketball had a pretty interesting weekend this weekend. Uh, a lot of good games on. Another upset weekend. 
although I don't know if it really affects um, how the tournament will stack up at some point. I'm still going to talk about it anyways. There's a new number one, the AP poll. Uh, that's Kansas. They defeated Baylor over the weekend in a very enjoyable game to watch. I was at work. I wasn't going. To, I was not able to watch a lot of it. I was able to catch a little bit here and there that I saw. It was a good game. Uh, congrats to Kansas on being the new number one. Uh, Baylor's still a very good team, and they're probably still going to end up with a one seed uh, when the tournament rolls around. Another upset this weekend, though. One that I didn't really expect. Gonzaga lost this weekend. They played number 23-ranked BYU. And they lost by 13 points as BYU was able to secure a nice home win against a potential number one seed in the tournament, which tips off in less than a month. It's insane to think this year flying by. But this game was not the only upset as San Diego State played the University of Nevada Las Vegas this weekend. A game that I assumed the Aztecs were going to win easily and remain undefeated I was wrong because that was not the case as UNLV was able to steal a win from San Diego State on the Aztecs home floor final score of that game was 66 to 63 like I said although all three of these teams lost on Saturday they still remain atop ESPN's bracketology as number one seeds on the potential bracket of what it could be, the fourth number one seed is Kansas, which they're the number one in the AP poll, so it just makes sense. Um, that was my college basketball talk. It's not a lot. I really wasn't that interested in any of the games that were being played this weekend, so I didn't really feel like talking about it too much, but I felt like talking about those three, because so, those are three teams, three or four teams that I like to really talk about, three or four teams I enjoy watching, other than Duke, but... That was my college basketball talk. Yep. I'm going to take a short break right now, and then uh, I'll be back with a new topic. Because there's a, a lot of guys in, that are going to be in the NFL draft that I don't think are getting the spotlight. And I'm going to do this once a week where I talk about a player that I handpicked that I liked watching in college that I don't believe is getting enough credit for their NFL capabilities, what they might do in the league. Maybe I'm completely wrong with some of these guys, but I think some of these players that I picked will be able to really compete in the NFL from the start. I mean, their, their talent and their athletic ability just really is off the charts, and nobody's talking about them. The only people anybody wants to talk about is Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa and Chase Young. And Well, I've, I've heard about enough from about, from those guys, and... I want to talk about some other people. And nobody else is doing this. Nobody else is really talking about any of the guys that I will talk about in the next couple weeks. But I'm going to introduce you to these guys. But before I get to that, I'm going to take a short break and I'll be right back. So a new segment that I want to start doing on the show is a segment that I'm going to title NFL Draft Player Spotlight. It's exactly what it says it is in the title it's players that are in this year's nfl draft that i'm putting the spotlight on because i don't feel like anybody's talking about them and these are guys that i believe deserve it because they're supreme athletes and i feel like they can make an impact right away or in the next couple of years in the league a very large impact the first player that i'm going to start with is one of my favorites to watch over the last couple of years 
His name is Lynn Bowden Jr. He's a wide receiver from the University of Kentucky. And in the 2019 season, he started as the wide receiver and return specialist and ended the season as Kentucky's quarterback. It all, every single time he touched the field, his athleticism was on full display because he has take-it-to-the-house type speed every time he touches the football. He has great acceleration he can get from first gear to top gear faster than anybody I've seen over the last couple years in college football. And in three years at Kentucky, Bowden Jr. had 114 catches for 1,303 yards and six receiving touchdowns. The numbers are not off the charts, but trust me when I say that his speed is. He's played in 37 career games and he started 25. In the 2019 season, he played the first four games as the team's starting wide receiver. But after injuries to both the starting quarterback and the second string quarterback, Bowden took over as a starter against Arkansas. Now this wasn't a desperation move by Kentucky head coach Mark Stoops because he had played Bowden Jr. at quarterback before. In the two prior seasons, Stoops used Bowden Jr. as his wildcat quarterback, but he never really made him throw the ball up until now. And as the starting quarterback, he was extremely run dependent as he ran for 1,468 yards on 185 attempts for 13 rushing touchdowns. He only threw for up 403 yards and three touchdowns with a completion percentage of 47.3%. But he's not a quarterback. He's just an athlete that happened to be put at the quarterback position because that is where his team needed him at the time. He threw three interceptions, though, which is not good. But like I said, he's not a quarterback. He was just an athlete that was playing that position. For the 2019 season, Lynn Bowden Jr. was selected as the recipient of the Paul Horning Award. And to give you a little background on what that award is, the Paul Horning Award is awarded to the most versatile, high-performing player in college football. And I believe that indefinitely describes Lynn Bowden Jr. To go from wide receiver to quarterback and to carry your team to a winning record, that's impressive. Now, a big knock on Bowden Jr. is that scouts are really unsure of what his position is. A majority of scouts believe that his time in which he played quarterback hurt his overall development as a wide receiver, which is true. But even as a wide receiver, he did not have a, a quarterback that could really push the ball downfield. So a lot of his routes were getting him the ball in open space on screens and quick slants which is a lot of bread and butter for some teams in the NFL. Kind of like uh, how the Chiefs get the ball to Tyree Kill in space. This guy has Tyree Kill speed. That is how I feel. His 40 times dependent upon that at the combine this week, depending upon his 40 time, his draft stock could improve drastically just based off of that. And I believe he's going to have a, a high 40 time, one of the highest of any of the wide receivers at the combine this year. Back to uh, back to the player breakdown. A lot of teammates said that Bowden is 
a great leader. And that's clear to me because when his team needed him, he stepped up and took over a position that he never, he's not really, it's not his position, he's a wide receiver, but he took over his quarterback. In the past two years, he was the captain for Kentucky, which is impressive because as a true sophomore, he was captain. That was the same season that he played a full season as a wide receiver. And like I said, they threw to him a lot in screen passes and got him the ball in open space and let him do his thing because he's impressive. Those plays were designed to get him in the open field, get him on a one-on-one matchup with a defensive back that he could beat with his speed. He won a majority of those. And normally when he won them and he was in the open field, he was the most danger. He was one of the most dangerous players I've watched over the last couple of years when he got to open field. And the defense hated playing against him, for sure. Bowden Jr. is a very talented football player, and he has a very high ceiling because of his athletic ability and raw potential. Uh, some may label him as a gadget player. I don't want to see that, but he can definitely be used as a gadget player because of his time at court, the quarterback position. If a team's looking for a Taysom Hill-type player to use like that, he could be the guy. Um, I don't think that's what he would want to do, but he is a team first guy. He's a great leader, so he would be all for it. But for a team looking for a wide receiver, early day three, he could be a steal because of the speed. Now, when the combine happens this weekend and he runs his 40, I believe his draft stock could improve if he runs a good 40. And you could see him going on day two for sure. But I really enjoy watching him play. I'm going to miss seeing him in Kentucky. I'm excited to see him in the NFL wherever he lands. He's definitely going to be a guy I keep my eye on over the next couple months through the process. And when he begins his NFL career, because he's, he's destined for greatness. And I'm going to enjoy watching him play wherever he goes. Well, that's all I have for you today. If you listen this far, thanks. Uh, please subscribe to the Spotify. Uh, leave a review if you can. Um, I'm going to have a new episode out Thursday. I know this episode came out a day later than I normally would like it to. I'm still kind of in the process of figuring things out. I just got a brand new mic, so I hope the audio was better in this episode than the first two if you listen to those. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please, like I said, uh, subscribe uh, on the Spotify. I'm trying to get it available on more platforms that you can listen on. You can still listen here on Anchor. You can listen on Spotify. I believe we're on Google Podcast now. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I believe we are. And uh, definitely follow me on the social media at BB underdash sports underdash. And if you have any questions or comments like that, that you want to let me know about the podcast, let me know. Uh, again, uh, thanks for listening. I'm out. Have a good one.